Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We're fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We just could not do it without you. Also, very grateful and honored for his contribution of his time, his voice, and his music for the intro that you just heard. So that's the big thank you to Justin Snicker, a.k.a. Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, who's an award-winning composer of Halloween horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found anywhere that you love to stream your music. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind all of our banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also specializes in the horror genre, but can basically do amazing commission pieces, books, comic books, you name it. He's your guy. So thank you, Steve. Now, what we're going to be promoting right now is let me get this up. Let me get this up, guys. So Amelia and I, and of course the Outer Realm, are sponsors of the Halifax Paranormal Symposium. We're very excited for them. This is going to be happening Saturday, October the 20th, oh, October 7th. Sorry, tongue-tied here. Uh, it's a full-day event, and there's going to be some phenomenal, phenomenal people. We're going to be showing this throughout the night. Um, let me get another picture up here just to give you guys an idea of who will be here. Uh, here we go. So we have Kim Moser, who's been on the show. You guys have seen her. You loved her. It was a great show. We've got Lauren Coleman, who's going to be talking about, of course, cryptozoology. We're going to be talking to Richard Gallagher. They've got him as a guest speaker. And he is, I, I guess, an authority to the church for exorcisms and so on. Um, psychologist, psychiatrist. This is the guy that they really lean on. And I I, I would love to be there to hear him in person. Uh, Daryl Walsh, Dr. Daryl Walsh, who is going to be on the show tonight with Dr. Elliot Van Dusen, who is, you know, instrumental for putting the shindig together. And Chris Stiles, who's been on the show many times and most famous for the Shag Harbor incident um, out in the, the West Coast. So, again, guys, check him out. Um, really, it's going to be a fantastic lineup. And uh, I have no doubt that anybody who goes there is going to have a really great go of it. So they're going to be on tonight. We're going to be talking about, uh, let's see, uh, NDEs, remote viewing, reincarnation, 
Um, there's just a lot of things that we want to cover. You know, they're both parapsychologists. In fact, they have a podcast called The Dueling Parapsychologists. They're a whole lot of fun. Elliot's been on the show many times. And um, Daryl has joined us one night, and it was just a fantastic show. So they're going to be talking about a lot of different things. And um, again, from a really logical standpoint, which is something I think really time kind of goes missing in the field but anyway um to partake tonight we have seven different um chat rooms so you're going to have to go into the regular ones uh of course roku tv which does not have a chat room but remember guys super highway coming down to one lane we're going to do our best to make sure as many people get addressed as possible um if you don't see it coming up just remember, there's another six chat rooms besides the one you're in. So we do have people chiming in. We've got Z Sun Dragon. I just love that handle. Welcome, welcome, Dolly. I always want to break out in song when I when I see you there. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Tamara. So it's it's, it's fantastic to see everybody coming in a little bit early. The guys should be here any minute. So it's going to be a tough one because being in the field for 20 years, um, it's really hard. We really tend to see, you know, people tend to lean a lot on what you see on television. Hey, Chris. And it doesn't mean that's the way things are done. And I'm one of those people, you know, I'll probably say it again during the show. I've said it before, who spent 20 years in media filming different TV shows and, and doing all kinds of things. And you sort of get stigmatized because I always say, I'm sure half the world thinks I run around screaming demon. And yet I'm probably that person who runs around screaming psychokinesis more than anything, <laughs> you know, try to find the logic. So it's a tough industry. Hi, Kathy. So it is really a tough industry. And there is, there is a lot of, of, of things in the field that I think people either just don't think about, just don't care just have they have their own method and that's what they stick to and it it's it's tough because also as a medium and working with phenomenal mediums you know amelia being one of them um it's really hard because you know you're picking it up other people are picking it up you have all these validations but if you can't find the logic behind it it doesn't mean it's not a thing but it does mean you have to go through the process of elimination for me when I go through something and I look at something as potentially, it's hard for me to say the word evidence because it's also hypothetical. Um, but when I come to something that looks like it could be something, I suppose, for me, it just leaves room for further research. That's all. It doesn't mean there's anything definitive about it whatsoever. So we're going to cover a few topics tonight. And um, we had a real hoot with the guys the last time they were on. And I know it's just going to be really informative and a lot of fun. So you guys just put your seatbelts on. And I believe we have Elliot. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's well, going, man? <laughs> it's going. Oh, that's good. <laughs> It's been a week, been a month, you know, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, so I guess we're waiting for your partner in crime. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he has the link, so he should be here soon. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So I I had up the um one minute, I'm gonna stop this screen. We're gonna do this again. We were just talking about the symposium. 
So I just shared that up and we, we spoke about that for a few minutes. So while we're waiting, do you want to touch on this a little bit? I'm sure we'll do it throughout the show, but. Yeah, for sure. Um, So it's coming up really soon. uh, Eight days uh, next, uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, October 7th uh, from 9am till 6pm at the Halifax Tower Hotel and Conference Center in Bears Lake. Mm-hmm. It is a fairly new hotel. Very excited about that. We were one of the first people to book uh, at that venue. Uh, we have five guest speakers coming, all really, really interesting. We've got uh, Dr. Richard Gallagher uh, coming mm-hmm. to talk about dynamic possession. Uh, we have Lauren Coleman coming to talk about cryptozoology, specifically uh, creatures that have been reported uh, in Nova Scotia. Um, then we've got uh, Kim Moser, who has been on the Outer Realm before. Uh, she has. She is a paranormal investigator and uh, has produced a television show, Haunted, on Eastlink. Yes. And uh, we have my colleague that will be joining us here tonight, uh, Daryl Walsh. He mm-hmm. is going to talk about our ghost extinct, kind of talk about, um, you know, how we used to see that full body apparition of the the lady in uh, the white dress or the blue dress. And now it seems to be all technology and uh, mm-hmm. iPhone apps and things like that. Uh, just kind of talk, uh, talk about uh, how, how it's changed. And then uh, last mm-hmm. but not least, we have Chris Stiles, who's also been on the show um, yes. to talk about his uh, new book and uh, his new revelations about uh, a Shelburne uh, USO incident, two underwater yes. UFOs that were allegedly, Um, being repaired by extraterrestrials according to the divers that he spoke to so yes it's pretty exciting it's pretty exciting he's he's been on the show a few times and there's never enough time whenever you guys I, i love you know canadian content we just don't seem to get enough of it you know but without further ado Daryl, <laughs> hey. oh, he's made it. He's made it. The he settings did. are different for Windows 11 than Windows 10, so I had to try to figure that out on myself. I just went over to Windows 11 last night, oh. so I and believe me, it's it's like a jungle trying to get to places. And... <laughs> Sorry, we try to make it as simple as possible. I know, but that you were fine. It was just. <laughs> In Windows 10, you have to have the camera separately turned on. Windows 11, no camera turned on. You turn it on. So that's what they changed. I mean, there's so many changes between the two of them. And that's that's one that just drove me crazy. Hey, man, I'm just happy you got the darn link because my... (laughs) situation has been something like an atrocity for uh, at least, you know, two months. But you know, of course, I don't really clue into that kind of technology. I'm just like, oh, all right. People are like, well, I sent you this email. Why didn't you respond? I'm pretty sure I responded to that. No, no, people weren't getting my emails. I was sending out emails. And I see it. It shows that it was sent. But mm. I guess I, I apologize. I was just busy. And I thought I had emailed you back. Okay, but at least I you got asked. it. <laughs> yeah, so oh, God, I, got, I got it. And okay. I just, I thought I had emailed you back. And then I, okay. this week we got uh, your email where you're saying, uh, you sons of guns, you know, is anybody getting my stuff? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, way to go, Daryl, as if I wasn't tormented enough. <laughs> I, I was thinking, I think I was, I responded, but then, and then I, lo- I looked it's, and I couldn't see it. So I was like, it's Oop. okay, man, as long as you got it, it has just been, you know, who knew apparently like all of these Gmail accounts, they hit, they hit a plateau. That's how many, like how much mail I get. 
and then they want you to pay for it, which I'm fine with, but how about a heads up as opposed to just floating my stuff off in cyberspace somewhere? <laughs> so yeah, anyway, so I think we've got a handle on it. And of course, you know, I was always of the belief that Macs don't really get viruses. And and <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got a computer. It went out and like, poof. I'm just like, yeah. hello, and nothing black, couldn't bring it back. It was just whatever it was. It was a total kiss of death. I know what it was, but I'm, but yeah, kiss of death. So, you know, I figured maybe that's where it was. <laughs> maybe there's a virus in there. I'm just like, anyway, we are here tonight. I am just glad I can rant on about technology forever. And we will tonight on a different level. Do you guys want to start with that? Since I'm like really like hyped up about hating on technology. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. We were going to discuss uh, the role of technology in uh, in paranormal investigations. Who wants to start first? Do you want to oh, go, Oh, you Darryl? guys go, please. <laughs> well, you're the insane believer in that stuff, so why don't you start us off? And then, and then I'll be able to come in as a sane, rational person. Okay, let me get the popcorn or the wine, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I use, I use, uh, or PPRI, I should say, the organization uses uh, some equipment during our investigations. Um, most recently, we just purchased a Geiger counter, not so much for ghost and haunting investigations, but really good for UFO investigations, um, especially mm. if somebody um, is talking about anything, uh, you know, like an encounter of the third kind and up, uh, because usually when we have cases like that and we examine the uh, physical evidence, there's usually detection of radiation. So, um, but we use, uh, obviously, like uh, electronic uh, or electromagnetic uh, field radiation detector. I have two different kinds. Um, I stay away from the K2 meter. I know there's a lot of people out there that have them. Um, it's just one of the cheapest ones available on the market. And um, it looks good on TV with all the flashing lights. But it's also been known to be um, super highly sensitive. So you get a lot of false readings with that one. Um, I do stay away from the ITC devices or the uh, intra-trans communication devices. Um, I prefer to go with just uh, a digital recorder. And I know Daryl will have uh, uh, an interesting discussion about digital recorders and magnetic and recorders. smirk is going to be but, like... <laughs> but, um, yeah, I go with the digital recorders. The stuff on the apps I don't trust. I mean, they're marketed right. as a ghost Um you know, a ghost app and an educational app. And uh, we actually have an audio engineer now with PPRI, Peter McMasters. He does all of our electronic voice phenomena analysis. And um, he's working with a university right now in Canada nice. on after death uh, communication. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that they're kind of looking at are these apps. And um, I know he just recently had me test the EMF app on the iPhone compared to the real app. So, um, my house is 110 years old. I have a century home, but the wiring is all fairly new. So I couldn't get anything near the outlets. Um, but I knew if I turned the microwave on, I was going to get some serious <laughs> EMF readings. So right. sure enough, I did. And um, we were scoring around 16 uh, to 18 milligas on the uh, EMF, which is quite high. Um, mm. The FDA says that anything above 3.0 is, is dangerous. Wow. So that's why you're not supposed to stay in front of the microwave. Um, now with the phone app, um, to do something. The, the phone app actually had a green light saying everything was okay, and uh, it the numbers were fluctuating, but they were only fluctuating by like uh, one or two. Mm. Um, when I took the video, like one or two uh, full denominations. So obviously, it's not as accurate as a real EMF reader, and mm. um, they're starting to do some interesting stuff where they're back engineering um, 
the technology for the ghost recording apps and the EVP apps. And mm -hmm. uh, I know from talking with Peter personally, um, he has detected some use of AI, some use of language programming. Yeah. Uh, it'll listen yeah. to you speak and it'll it'll kind of feed you back uh, things that you might be looking for. So which is kind of what we all suspected. So mm -hmm. I'll right. be uh, I'll be really uh, interested to see uh, what other kind of work he digs up on on that. Well, a phone April. is basically a small computer nowadays. You know. Yeah, and I was actually quite surprised after talking yeah. to Peter about the different <laughs> stuff it, it can do. So it it can it does have an EMF reader in it, and um, mm. to an extent, it also has uh, the capability with GPS and the compass. So that's why mm. when you use apps that are trying to locate ghosts for you, it can actually know like which direction you're pointing and things like that mm. um so it is quite interesting there's a lot of technology in the phone that could be and is used for ghost hunting um mm. but, but it's um, the app designs that you're saying it's just like but just, it's the app yeah <laughs> right. yeah they're they're i think Problem. they're personally for entertainment only that's why you know um you should go with your your older kind of technology the the tape recorders if you have a magnetic tape recorder but a digital recorder at the at the minimum right right all right daryl i know you're itching i just see it <laughs> it's the um, vibe i'm getting to the microwave um the yeah. thing that said you only had three is probably the more correct one because that's a faraday cage and if you're getting 16 to 18 off of it you've got to throw it out immediately because no microwave should be putting off that strength. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a Faraday cage. There should be nothing coming through. So check your microwave again, because there might be something wrong with it, but <laughs> I like that. So when we get yeah. like a 5g radiation shot, just turn yeah. around, throw your cell phone in the microwave. And I'm so it. if you're seeing ghosts <laughs> in the kitchen, Elliot, um, I check the microwave. <laughs> well, well, if I do, I'll, I don't know who to call. Yeah. <laughs> it's like crap. <laughs> I'm alone. Oh my. Where does oh. one start? Um where's one start? Really? Uh okay. I have um I have a philosophy that uh this no, I can't go there because that's a lecture and you don't want a lecture. Um <laughs> Hey man, it's your show. To... You guys just do what you want to do. I forget oh, I'm not Dr. Walsh here. I'm just who well, I am, but I'm just, you know, supposed to make it as easy as possible. Um there's there's not been one single proven use for any technology to find a ghost or prove a ghost. True. The only True. time you really it's great for finding things that make you think you see a ghost. Um, it's great for, and of course it's great for the reasons it's made for. Um, but when, uh, the old PT Barnum saying a sucker's born every minute, the marketers of those things thought, oh, we can just sell it to everybody. And as a ghost detector and all that, the, um, but you, but they're useless completely and utterly. And you can have as many tape recorders, digital or magnetic as you want. They're also useless because, uh, A, they've never been proven, but B, if it can, why would the ghost do that? Why would put a voice on a recorder and not just speak to you, especially if you're trying to have a, a conversation with it? It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Well, okay, so playing devil's advocate, pardon the pun. Yep. <laughs> so, so sometimes you can't, maybe it's a frequency thing. Maybe you can't hear that the frequency of a, of a ghost speaking to we you. Have a better, we have better, our ears are better than tape recorders. Sure. Well, so if, if the tape record picks it up, we had to have picked it up. 
well, maybe we thought we heard something, but we're just not, you know, tuned in enough to say, wait a minute, did I hear something? But the tape recorder, <laughs> it's, it's just like a, an imprint. I'm funky with digital stuff, but I like the old tape recorders. Yeah, they're you cool. You know, or, or like a Polaroid camera that you can't yeah. really fudge around with that negative too much. Like, isn't there anything that you're on board with, Daryl? <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to. Um, the, there's, a, there's a saying that um, I mean, there's, there's a saying that ghost hunting is technological, but not scientific, and that's so that's so mm -hmm. true. Because right. if you were, I mean, if we were doing a ghost investigation of a house, you'd have to kick the owners out of the house. All dogs are out of the house. All power yep. severed to the house. You've right. got to have it for months on end. There's no way you can go in there in an hour or two hours and figure out. You don't you won't even know how to get around the house, let alone know whether there's a ghost there. Now, here's where it comes. Um, I do believe in ghosts. I just don't know what they are. But in order to tell if a place is truly haunted, um, and this can be either a surviving consciousness after death, or it can be the the residual haunting, whereas um, some acts somehow are imprinted probably through meteorology and electromagnetic onto something, uh, rock, uh, wall building, whatever. Unless you see it with your eyes and that's the only way that you can tell. And the problem is a ghost is not this ethereal um, see-through transparent thing. It, it, it's solid and three-dimensional. You literally could have been next to a ghost many times in your life. You never would have known unless you walk through them, of course. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and, and the two or the one time I saw a ghost, um, he was totally 3D. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, it, it was it was weird. But uh, so yeah, so and then once you've got the ghost, okay, well, we know the ghost is at you know X Y Z, mm -hmm. and we know it shows up every Thursday at midnight. So that's when you move all the stuff in, and then if the ghost appears, well, then the technology is is needed because then you want to know what's going on because if they live on a different plane let's say and and we don't know what's completely there after death so you know we'll, we'll use that euphemism um if they live in a different atmosphere perhaps uh multiverse whatever one you want yeah, yeah. if they come into ours there must be something we must be able to to see like the a dimensional bleed through yeah sort there's of going a... to be a leakage and in interaction right. between the two and so that would be the most important thing right. um, to look at. You could ignore the ghost after that. Just just get the equipment there. <laughs> cares of right. the ghost. Um, right. you know, don't follow the ghost. Just get the equipment right to where the ghost appeared. Mm -hmm. And then that would lead eventually on to just developing technology that can do that and possibly even force an interaction. That would mm -hmm. be the holy grail because you want to understand what's going on. And let's assume it's a, this is if it's a discarnate, you know, um, um, consciousness from a, a deceased person. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, if it's a residual haunting, it would be something totally different. But um, that's what we would want to do. That's the holy grail. A, prove there's a ghost is a discarnate um, consciousness. And B, understand the interaction. And then maybe we'll be able to force, you know, um, something, a probe, anything, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to see what's going on. What's, what is there after death? You know, right now, the new near-death near experiences are doing a pretty good job. 
but mm. uh, that's limited to a certain amount of time. And if we could put a probe in there or something, um, yeah, it'd be fantastic. I mean, that's well, well down the line uh, before we'd able, I mean, we can't even find a ghost, let alone, um, you know, a true ghost, let alone. Um, so how do you define a ghost? A how, ghost. Does, how does Daryl Walsh define a ghost? Well, Daryl Walsh defines a ghost personally. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I believe in them, but I don't know what they are. Right. But if I was to guess or prefer, probably might be a better way of putting it. I would like it to be, you know, an unconscious, uh, right. discarded energy entity. Um, right. And in which case, going by the history of hauntings and ghosts all the way back through to the Bible, um, they've always appeared. Now, they, there's been slight changes all through time, mostly yeah. through the way we preserve we perceive them, but they have changed radically, actually, if you want to go way back to the Bible. But one thing that hasn't changed is they're solid. You know, that's like sort it of the one be. thing that's, that's come through. Yeah. So it, it, if it's if I see a solid representation of a person that just suddenly appears or disappears or cannot possibly be at the location, um, that could include doppelgangers, but let's just say mm-hmm. somebody's uncle died or, you know, we, we follow the, the uh, widow home and then all of a sudden we see the deceased sitting in the rocking chair like he used to. Um, that would be a ghost right there. Right. That's all you need to know. Um, so, yeah, I, if that's and that's the thing. You, It's a high bar. And and many people have many authors, including Hans Holzer, um, mm-hmm. has got tired of trying to find a ghost so what he would do is yank a psychic into a house and she'd spell a little story he'd write it down and off you go and he's got a book like that thick mm-hmm. um because his hands holds her so you know um yeah it's yeah so let me, I mean, let me present this to you let me present this to you because this isn't so much a ghost but i i'm, I'm thinking hmm. of a projection of energy so you guys can chime in i'll use my mother as an example when my father went into assisted living um, he somehow, I mean, Alzheimer's, so the brain, it just works differently, you know, but my mother would be awake, you know, just getting herself ready to go to bed. She'd be, she was sitting in bed one night, just kind of get ready to turn the lights off. She turns around and my father is there. I mean, yeah. she reached out to touch me because she goes, am I just like having a moment or the, 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 he slipped into the door and I didn't know she reached over, touched him. It was physical. Yeah. The next morning, she called the assisted living home and said, uh, I'm the buy and buy. Did he leave the building? <laughs> Is there something, you know, you guys aren't telling me? They're like, no, he was asleep by this point at like by nine o'clock. He was, you know, we get all the residents down and that's it. Projection yeah. of energy? Is, is... Um, that comes under a doppelganger, uh, which was very well, much in great in, <laughs> in no, fashion. It happened uh, three years ago. We, uh, Maybe some people, some researchers have uh, tried to uh, put ghosts and doppelgangers together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, one is dead, one's alive, so I can't see how they really go together. But maybe, I yeah, can. I can't. I see them as a separate, separate uh, columns. I can't actually see the because one would the interactions, projection of of a live person would be totally different from a projection of a person. Insane individual. <laughs> you know, they have to come into our thing. So, uh, but doppelgangers are, 
um, you know, have they're not being studied very often now, are they, Elliot? Uh, they just kind of went out of fashion. No, you don't. You don't hear about them at all. But it is interesting that experience you share because you don't hear too many people talk about touching a ghost. Mm, um, exactly. You know, it's always well, the man it. was alive. And uh, well, yeah. there are call there are, are call cases or there's been cases of living people that you know have projected their themselves. Um, uh, yeah. I investigated one after the fact down in Massachusetts. Uh, mm. I was a 15 year old girl dating an abusive uh, boyfriend, and uh, she lived in Rhode Island. They were in Massachusetts. They got into a fight on the highway. Uh, he took her head and smashed it out the window, and then uh, kicked her out of the car. At the same time all this was happening, the mother that was back home in Rhode Island witnessed it all take place, but it, it happened inside the car outside in their driveway. Mm -hmm. And so then the car kind of disappeared. And uh, when she got home later that night, uh, the daughter, the mother was all over her saying, after he hit you, why didn't you come back in the house or whatever? And they, the daughter had no idea what she was talking about. And then she said, mm. you know, I saw everything happen in the, in the, the driveway or whatever and uh she said that didn't happen in the driveway that happened like in another state um wow. but it, I, I mean again there the mother didn't come out and like grab the car door or anything like that yeah. so we don't know yeah. what would have happened but i just i find it interesting that it's uh, interesting in how, case, how touched uh yeah you know an apparition she touched him and 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 he just he just sat there but i'll tell you on the night she passed like she passed away in um in beginning of april my father, within like literally two minutes of her passing, the home phoned my sister and said, your father's completely violent and out of control. She goes, my mother just died like a minute ago. And, and that was it. The next day, yeah. you know, he's seeing her. And my mother said, oh, no, we, you know, I go see your father all the time. All right. <laughs> just uh, touching it. <laughs> <laughs> just wow. like, okay. Well, that's that's an interesting one. I will say though, it's yeah. uh, I know Daryl was hitting on a lot of full apparitions, uh, yes, non-transparent. Yeah. But I, I will say there are a lot that are also reported to be semi-transparent as yes. well. Um, yeah. It's either fully transparent, like Daryl said, like where you wouldn't be able to tell that it's not. A, I've not seen full person. body. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or, they look or, pretty or, solid. Doesn't mean they are to the touch though. And there are saying, uh, you know, some that are translucent and uh, an interesting study that was done as well. Uh, Lloyd Auerbach uh, usually talks about it in his educational programs is that a lot of people don't normally see the feet of people. And uh, they did a psychological study that when you ask somebody what they're wearing, they'll usually describe, you know, their shirt and their pants and stuff like that. But they don't normally like talk about their shoes or their socks and uh, so it's kind of interesting that when people do see apparitions, a lot of times it hmm. kind of stops at the ankles. Hmm. Hmm. I, I never actually noticed that when I when I would see them. Like I don't. I, I I think for me, it's you're sort of in shock at first to see a full body. I don't look him all the way up. I had a conversation with one one time on a ghost tour, and he just sort of some random man that smelled like lemons and lime, but he was goes back to the you know or oranges you know like citrus and i mean if you go back to victorian times they would put lye on the body and, and put a bunch of oranges and citrus to to kind of mask the smell of decomposition right and mm. he's this guy in in like old overalls coveralls sort of thing and and he points to the tour and he goes is that yours <laughs> i'm like well i suppose sort of and and i'm looking at him i'm going you're not right <laughs> i just know because his eyes weren't right for me they were just very very dark and he, he never blinked 
he just looked, you know, and I'm going, you want to tag along? And he just smiled. I was getting ready to just poke him because I'm, I'm just, I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to do it, make a joke about it. And just, it's a ghost tour. I could get away with it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I had a couple come up to me and they said, who are you talking to? I'm going, hmm? <laughs> I realized wow. I was the only one that could, could see him. And there was like 50 people looking at me going, we just see you're all animated and, and you're by yourself. Great. Wow. And we look like a freaking raving lunatic on a sidewalk in a cemetery by myself. Well, <laughs> so no, that was it. Yeah. It, it's interesting you mentioned that not, none of the other witnesses saw because Daryl and I had investigated uh, a uh, residual haunting uh, up towards Pictou County there. And uh, there was a husband and his wife, and then they had a couple over. So there was four of them, and only the husband saw the apparition the other three people didn't see it at all and he mm -hmm. saw not just one apparition but he saw the apparition of two kids as well uh playing mm -hmm. up in the uh, apple tree so he saw mm -hmm. three apparitions and and none of the other three witnesses saw anything that's really interesting we saw a man who was standing by himself total skeptic did not want to be in the ghost tour because my wife forced me to come here and i just want you to know that right off the bat i'm like noted okay so we got to the same cemetery because it was a really historical thing. And then the, the priest had come out and told us all kinds of stories about it. And they gave us full permission to do part of the tour here. Um, this man, at one point, the wife is with me. She goes, I haven't seen my husband in about 10 minutes. I'm like, so maybe he got, maybe he got picked up by a ghost. I'm joking. Okay. Well, I go back. The man is standing there with his hands straight out like this. And I'm going, something wrong? He goes, something has me by the hand. I'm going, okay. He goes, I can't move. I'm like, just pull your hand back. Can I do that? I said, I promise you won't lose it. Sure, just pull it back. And it turned out one of the mediums, it says it's a child. And had him by the hand. And he says he felt cold little icy fingers. The rest of us are all like watching this man with his hand out there kind of going. So I don't know, projection of energy Guys, chime in. Those are the examples that I can give that I have witnessed. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, I mean, until you until you can capture one and put them in a laboratory to figure out, you know, uh, tell the skeptical on, guy that what, what's going on with that. I mean, it is hard to say. Like I said, not too many people yeah. have said that they've touched, um, you know, touched a, a ghost or an apparition. Usually, yeah. like you said, uh, the normal reaction is fear uh, or shock. Yeah. Um, or there's this is what I do, of, and I still get taken back. Yeah, there's some sort of distance usually between, uh, you know, the person that sees it and, and the mm -hmm. spirit themselves. So um, that's really interesting. But going back to the, the technology thing, too, I will also say the interesting thing is I've worked lots of investigations where uh, there's been cold spots, um, and you'll actually react to it with goosebumps on your skin and, and yes. the hair standing up. But the equipment doesn't uh, pick, pick up that particular cold spot. So and essentially, where you this, are your best piece of equipment in your reaction. You definitely feel it better than than the scientific equipment that uh, is right. used. And where this comes from, like Daryl said uh, earlier about uh, the, the theory about if uh, a ghost comes from the spirit realm into our physical realm, that there must mm -hmm. be some sort of change or energy shift. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where the EMF uh, comes from. And then uh, the temperature is from tons and tons of people experiencing those cold and also hot spots. A lot of people forget that hot spots can, can occur. 
Um, actually, last investigation we did, uh, we had a medium there with us and she was communicating with the spirit. And as their conversation kept going, she felt like she was getting colder and colder. But I actually had the FLIR with me, the Ford uh, infrared uh, looking thermal camera. Mm. And she actually, her body got two degrees Celsius hotter, um, wow. even though she felt she was getting colder. So you just never know. Um, I mean, the equipment is good and, and handy to have, but uh, I wouldn't right. rely on it so much. Uh, right. I mean, the investigations I've done, like I said, the temperature, the thermometers, they just... They're not, not doing what they should be doing. Right. They're not picking up what we want it to pick up. Right, right. They are the weakest part of the, the whole thing, uh, besides the obvious BS stuff like ghost detectors and that. But uh, of the technological, uh, real technological stuff that you can bring to a haunting, Geiger counters, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. um, EMF meters, um, temperature is the hardest because it when you especially you know if you point well most of them will take it either right where you are or across the room so mm -hmm. if how do you manage to so it'll go through you know a cold spot a hot spot a medium spot whatever and tell you what's on 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 the side of the wall mm -hmm. so it could have missed god knows what so yeah they're mm -hmm. the kind of the weakest uh, weakest link of the of everything is because of the fact that just they are so finicky and have to be very well calibrated before i knew uh, somebody who used a turkey thermometer don't get me started um, <laughs> There. Okay. I, should I ask where the turkey thermometer goes? And this Maybe should have went somewhere right else. But let me tell you something. Yeah, I'll leave that right there because I'm public. But uh, yeah, that investigation <laughs> things roaming around and just I'm just going. What am I doing here? <laughs> so. That's yeah. a new one. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> Had to be there, Elliot. Had to be there. <laughs> Just as yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, not electronic. I'll, I'll give him that. It wasn't electronic. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. It was creative. Give him some yeah. creativity there. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So equipment. So the existence of ghosts, um, I don't do you think ever in this lifetime, the way technology is going with AI and everything else, are we ever going to get anything really definitive? I mean, definitive is a strong word in a field that's completely unexplained, but do you think we're ever going to get there? I think AI is potentially taking us the other way because so many things can be fudged, you know, recordings, photos, video. You don't even oh, know what geez, you're looking well, at anymore. Right. Yeah. Photos and videos aren't worth anything anymore. Mm. Um, I used to, it was funny. I, uh, I just did a lecture not too long ago here in Sydney, Nova Scotia. I do one called Hauntings, uh, Exploring Apparitions, Poltergeists, and Demons. And mm -hmm. uh, I used to show a photo of my niece and nephew. Um, it was a professional photo that was done. And the only thing that was real in the photograph was Colton and Annie and then their clothing. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, everything else, the bench that they were sitting on was fake. The reflection in the lake was uh, fake. And this was... Uh, way before AI was uh, available. And uh, now you can do all that kind of stuff, no problem. I actually made a uh, PowerPoint presentation for a friend's uh, mother's funeral, and uh, they didn't want the ex-wife in the picture, so they asked me if I could somehow remove her. So I found a website where you basically just take a, a crayon and you just uh, rub it over the thing that you want to change and there it actually go. takes all the pixels and blends it in so that it looks like the environment it was amazing i did it in like two seconds there um, you go so you almost have to go back to film and even then keep it away from the computer 
So it can't be fudged essentially, right? Well, I, I always say the 35 millimeter or some yeah. of the best. It's just, it's hard to find and it's more expensive it now, is. but at least yeah. you can send the negative away to have the negative analyzed. Daryl had a really cool ghost photo. I'm on him all the time to try and find it, but. Uh, I did. I've just found it day before yesterday. It was, it was really cool. It was from back uh, during our center for parapsychological studies days. I'll let Daryl tell the story about it, but it was, it was a really cool photo that somebody had shown to him. And uh, it's one of the first ghost photos he had seen. Uh, what had happened, this was about 1997, 98, I'd say 98, probably. Um, I had been teaching parapsychology for a couple of years at this point and uh, at the Nova Scotia Community College. And so anyway, did I get a letter or a call? I think I got a letter and um, saying, uh, I have a ghost photo. Uh, can we meet? Uh, here's my phone number type of thing. So uh, arranged to meet her. But I was running late. And especially back in the 90s, I looked incredibly young, like I should be like 15. And mm -hmm. so... When I showed up, I didn't have time to get into the, you know, the professional looking garb. And I was, it was just a busy day. And so anyway, you could just see in her eyes, you know, thinking, okay. Anyway, after 10, 15 minutes talking to her, then she realized I knew what I was talking about. And I was just a young looking, you know, person. <laughs> but, um, and it was really cool because it was, they had been in Scotland and, uh, um, she had taken a picture. Uh, it was at a graveyard, but not of the graves. And mm -hmm. she had just decided to take a picture of what the view would be from the graveyard. And so she did. And on one of them, it, it's the strangest thing, um, up in the upper right-hand corner, um, there's an image of a, of a man in very old clothing. Uh, you don't see very much from the neck pretty much down it more or less just kind of fades away but he uh, obviously had the old you know tall co uh, collars with the very thin uh, you know thing and something in there and it actually reminded me of Edgar Allan Poe because um, that's what he, he kind of looked like and uh, unless they were fooling us with a, a you know um, um, Edgar Allan Poe picture superimposed <laughs> on the negative, but what's a, I can't see a lady in her late seventies at that time really going for that. But uh, right. you know, I could see right. if it was a young person playing a prank. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, right. unfortunately, she's undoubtedly dead by now, so um, we can't go back and talk to her. But I still have the, the right. photo, <laughs> and um, we did take it to have it uh, looked at, just just looked at, not analyzed. She would not let the negative out of her hands. And so we could not definitively say that it was a ghost. Uh, we couldn't right. definitively say it was anything, really. Just yeah. that it was extremely interesting and, uh, you know, really cool. And so, um, yeah, so the, uh, but when we took it into, uh, I think it was Karzan Mosher, and, you know, they went over it and the picture, and he said, well, I can't explain it because, you know, and especially since I don't have the negative, but I can't explain it, but, you know, and and he just didn't want to say it, but he smiled. You know what, you know, it, someone brings in a ghost photo. Um, right. He thought it was probable ghosts because usually they're a little more, a fake ghost picture is usually a little more complex. And um, very was, defined you know, as well, aren't they? Yeah, Over, yeah. And it just, yeah, so yeah. it just didn't, it just didn't, you know, um, there was, yeah. I mean, there was something wrong parapsychologically in the fact that he, you know, um, 
how did it get there? I, there, you know, there were there were a bunch of stuff that it could be, but there was a bunch of problems that could also be. So, mm. you know, I always stayed on the. Uh, I always I call it a ghost photo, and I've always been on the fence and uh, on it because I don't have the negative, so I can't say it's not a ghost photo. Um, right. I also can't say it is one. Um, right. You right. know, so I, you, you know, um, that's all I can say. You know, and but, about you, it. you don't it's see not, it. You don't see it. I, I, when I, I did an event at one time and a woman showed up who had visited that location like 15, 20 years prior, maybe, maybe even more like, I, I mean, the seventies, late seventies. And she captured a photograph with a you know, a film camera of a ghost in the building. And she came to present that to people during the event and do you know how many, like, especially young people had no freaking idea what that was? <laughs> and she, she had framed the negative so it could be put up, you know, over a screen to be looked at. And she had a picture of it, the, the actual photograph. And they're like, oh, no, there's no way. Because it was really, it was a really a phenomenal picture. And she goes, here's a negative. And you could see it perfectly. And, and people were just like, the adults, obviously, we, you know, all knew what a negative was. But like, you know, kids, teenagers, you know, they're just like, <laughs> no, it's, the world. It's true. We, yeah, you forget. It's true. Them. I was at a hockey tournament uh, last uh, year. Yeah, last year. And uh, one of the young police officers that plays on the team, um, he would have been in his early 20s, had never heard of or did, didn't know what a cassette tape was. <laughs> and uh the other younger guy the other younger guy at the table um i asked him because i knew he was like just as young and he said he he knew what it was but he never owned one but he said he only knows it because he sells cars and he works in the car industry and i was right. just like holy smokes like so uh yeah they Wait wouldn't the even age. understand that that kind of technology um yeah. that we used to use but uh and now it's all phones and stuff like that but yeah uh, it's it's true that's yeah. true you no, know. it's interesting. I don't know if you'll ever. It's hard to say right now. Like, there's multiple different things that can cause ghosts. Uh, like Daryl said, when we get asked, you know, do ghosts exist? My answer is yes. Like, you know, thousands of people have reported them for centuries, way back to you know first recorded civilization, mm -hmm. Mesopotamia, and um, it's a matter of what are they though, because we know that certain environmental conditions can cause yeah. people to see it such as the work done by uh, the late dr michael persinger mm -hmm. uh, here in canada with uh, his god helmet and the increase in electromagnetic energy which can cause people to see apparitions we know that there's uh, residual hauntings which seem to be energy recorded in the environment that somehow replays but then we also know that there's been cases of intelligent hauntings where um, you know, a spirit has been able to give certain information to a medium that the investigators can then go corroborate by pulling, you know, death records and finding out names and birth records and uh, housing records. And um, just, you know, mm. some, some of them can communicate intelligently through, you know, taps or raps. Um, mm -hmm. So that, I, uh, That's the old fashioned way of doing things. Like when I started out, I went to Efton Science in Toronto, that's where I bought my stuff. <laughs> like, I, it, it's just I wanted logical things. 
I just uh, just saw the comments there too. Uh, someone had a good point about uh, certain time period ghosts might not understand what a recorder is, and we usually take that into I'm account. Trying to find we, it, there's so many. When we're at um, when we're at uh, investigations, for example, like at uh, the Fortress of Lewisburg, when we go out there, you know, none of those people would have saw a digital recorder before. Okay. Uh, in you know the spirits that are out there, so mm -hmm. we usually tell them uh, a red flashing light, or you know the thing on the table or whatnot to try and put it into perspective because well, uh you know the theory is is that once you pass on your consciousness and your personality mm -hmm. go into the spirit realm so um you know we're not quite sure what happens from there a lot of it's uh circumstantial and you know we have to base a lot of it off of information from mediums which is mm. uh, unfortunately like a lot of it it can be good information that can mm -hmm. be corroborated but at the end of the day it's all subjective information i'll well, stick with the near-death experience um just because of the fact that science in the hands of people who who want to understand our brains after death are proving getting closer and closer and pretty much the last two years have proved that it is after death um you know, the body is, is gone. There is nothing mm -hmm. there. And they pull them back. Um, and they tell this, you know, they tell the story that everybody knows. So I'm not going to go through it all. But one of the things I always had about saying the body is dying. Okay. And it's starting. Okay. All the, the organs are failing and the lights are starting to go out and everything. So the brain is then going to start to create this wonderful vision and mirage of a you know of seeing your old friends on a beauty in a beautiful landscape and blah 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 and i'm thinking are you gonna ruin this for everybody daryl I'm, I'm gonna say <laughs> the damn body the damn brain is dead or dying it doesn't have time to create this fantasy so the near death that always this was i always say this this is evidence for a near-death experience because right. the brain's too busy trying to stay alive and losing right. dead and so it doesn't have time, you know, to, to make this beautiful fit. It would have to be evolutionary um, development that would be adaptive for the humans. And, and, and before we were able to bring people back, people, a lot more people died of many things. Mm -hmm. So how is that evolutionary adaptation? It mm -hmm. doesn't serve anybody because they're dead, um, you know. <laughs> so, so, but in your death experience, it could be like that the spirit, your essence travels somewhere and sees this and comes back and can speak of it. It may not be something that's created by the brain at all. Yeah. No, you know, for, if for we, sure. we can find someplace, probably the right temporal um, yeah. is or, organ. Um, there was a, there was just an article uh, Daryl and I were reviewing there today uh, from Psychology Today, if anyone's interested in it. It's called Dying People May Be Conscious Up to an Hour After Flatlining. Uh, it's by wow. Dr. Sam, Sam Perina that has done the two AWARE studies before, which is uh, when they uh, got permission to do studies on people that were dying and they were able to, uh, if they resuscitated them and they came back, they were able to interview them and get their kind of near-death mm -hmm. experience. He's done mm -hmm. two projects like that, but his latest one, um, when they ha uh, got a call that the patient was in cardiac arrest, they'd come in and hook up um, a bunch of different equipment and a lot of uh, brain equipment, um, mm -hmm. fMRIs and things like that. And what they found is the scans were actually um, different 
from what they were so they would tell the story the the near-death experience story but they said that certain parts of the brain that were lighting up that would have been like a hallucination due to you know death like daryl said the body's trying to cause you to be at peace and kind of create this wonderful story are actually two different um things so the the people that were experiencing near-death experience none of those hallucination type areas of the Mm. brain were lighting up so um Mm. very fascinating and just before that study there was another one uh that said um the brain still functions seven minutes after death so um like daryl said right now the near-death experience uh research is is pretty wild right now and uh we might yeah i wish amelia was here she died like four times yeah you were saying that (laughs) like And I'll tell you, I, I, I know a lot of gifted people, but I, she's probably the most gifted person. You just come back with stuff that is just... Some people just have such amazing stories. Like I interviewed one person in one of my law enforcement uh, books that I wrote. Um, and uh, it was a police officer got into a car accident during the winter and uh, he ended up surviving. And uh, months late, later, after rehab, he went to visit his partner that was the first on scene that helped him out. And he mm. ha- hadn't spoken to her at all since the accident. And he ended up recounting literally everything because he said he could watch it from up above. He was up in the sky, kind of yeah. what, like looking down. And he knew what she did. Uh, she knew uh, he knew that uh, the paramedics had pronounced him dead. Um, but then once he got to the hospital, they were able to revive him. Like he had all these different facts that you wouldn't know unless, uh, you know, you were there and saw it. So, um, if you guys are working, I'm just trying to find the name as we're talking, but I'll look for it and send it to you. If you're researching your death experiences, I had an, a woman on the show now she's quite elderly now, but she's been in the field for like decades of near death experiences. And I believe she has a doctorate and she's just full-on logical she's written books on this and um she's just out in bc i believe there's something oh, yeah, sure. about near-death experiences besides the fact that like i said that the brain just doesn't have time to to yeah. create this nice vision for us but essentially what had happened uh, near-death experiences really exploded in the 1970s and early 80s early to mid 80s mm-hmm. and at the time uh most religions in that said no 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 it's actually demons in particular christian denominations no that's demons whatever and but near death experiences were still being done by uh, through scientific institutions and scientists and then it started to kind of reach a critical mass where uh people were starting to read the books a lot more mm-hmm. and then started the amateur books coming out where everybody and their dog was having a near-death experience and <laughs> And, yeah. and it was it was before death. I mean, I'm sorry, you got to be dead. It can't be that your life's in, in danger or threat like that. You know, you have to be dead, dead. You know what I mean? And near, that's why dead. near death. It should be called <laughs> after death because that's what we're, we're trying to, to right. find out. And then in the 2000s, it switched over. And now uh, the religious groups are now uh, have embraced near death experiences, did a complete 180. And you know, and are now you and the problem is, again, there's a lot of stories, again, by people, by uh, people that are trying to buttress um, their their feelings and their beliefs in God. And I believe in God. But, um, you know, the, the, so if you're going to study near death experiences, you're going to be I don't want to be elitist, but not anybody without a Ph.D., first of all, forget them. Um, two is make sure that they're also not um, involved in 
they wouldn't have any ideal ideology or religiosity um, that would entail this. Go back to the originals in the 70s and 80s before you start to buy the latest, you know, uh, guide to heaven and all this, the, the people you meet in heaven and all that kind of stuff. Um, because, yeah, because this is one of the few ghosts went down this line and Bigfoot went down this line where the experts um, were investigating and finding really good data. And then in came everybody else and their dog mm -hmm. and, <laughs> and took it over. And so now ghost hunting has got a bad reputation. Bigfoot uh, searching has got a bad reputation. Deservedly, uh, both side, both of them have deservedly bad reputations. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, 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 yeah. So be careful with near-death experiences because the fact that you've got to pair through the people who are going to be using it for, you know, either just to tell a story and sell books, just right. for, you know, money, or, or to forward, you know, their, their Christian beliefs or their uh, Muslim beliefs or whatever it happens to be. I'm not picking mm -hmm. on Christians alone. Um, so, yeah, so you've got to be very careful with... with uh, I think with, with anything, you have to be careful. I've spent two decades filming, and I say it all the time, half the world thinks I run around screaming demon, yet I'm one of the most logical people I know and probably scream like psychokinesis more than anything, projection. And so you get really stigmatized, you know, like I can give five, six logical answers for something. And, but they want the most obscure. Well, could it be this? Well, yes, I guess it could be this. Say it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because, I mean, hypothetically, it could be, yeah. you know, but it's like nobody wants to hear the logic. Like, mm. do you find that you guys run into that? Because it is logic. It When I have to tell somebody, no, you don't have a demon in the house, mm. I, I send them a link to psychokinesis and I'm like, Oh, if you see these similarities in here, we can talk about it. It's harder for somebody to believe that they can project energy, that, you know, they're, they're powerful enough individual for whatever it is that's going on in their lives to make them project. Um, then it is for them. It's easier for them to think that there's something malevolent in the house. We did run into one case uh, <laughs> like that, but um, it, it was a very interesting investigation. It actually made it into a scientific journal. I passed, uh, I, I realized that the lady um, needed to see a clinical parapsychologist, which is fairly new. So a clinical parapsychologist is somebody that has a background in parapsychology. So they usually have their PhD in parapsychology, but they're also a practicing clinician, either a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And um, Daryl probably remembers this case. He, he did more supervising on it than, than the investigation, but the lady had actually undergone a medical for a another paranormal investigative group. So I simply asked, I said, well, are you able to provide us with those medical records? Mm -hmm. So something came back in the medical records that led us to believe that it's not, um, you know, paranormal. Right. Uh, so, you know, and how does she feel about that? Because she, I, well, I work with families like hardcore. Mm -hmm. I will ask for psychiatric assessments times two and permission from that doctor to work with that person. Well, they, they did provide the medical records, no problem. But, uh, yeah. and when they told me that there was nothing in it, I was like, okay, perfect. So then I got it and I reviewed it and I saw the first thing they got flagged for, um, was delusional disorder. And then when we confronted them on that delusional disorder, they were delusional about the delusional disorder. So, um, well, I realized at that point that it, it you know, it wasn't a haunting, it wasn't psychokinesis, which they were 
totally mm-hmm. against. Uh, like you said, they thought that it had to be something malevolent. It wasn't even a good spirit. It was something nasty. Yeah. And uh, I ended up recommending her to, I found uh, Dr. Jim Haran was willing to, uh, to deal with her. Um, and uh, yeah, they ended up uh, doing an article called Haunted People in uh, one of the scientific right. journals and, and had mentioned my organization. <laughs> um so you do kind of run into that occasionally, but uh, mm-hmm. I have also been to a place where it sounds like it could be a poltergeist case or psychokinesis and not a haunting. And uh, the people, some people are open to it, but um, the one that I had that was resistant to it, uh, there was, like I said, medical issues attached right. to that as well. So, <clears throat> so I- And things have changed, Michelle, um, since the 90s and early 2000s. Um, people don't look to us for answers anymore. Um, you know, as I'm the executive director of the Center for Parapsychological Studies in Canada, as well as Ghost Project Canada and PPRI. I mean, got something in every uh, hand in every pot. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Elliot will tell you this too, um, they used to come to us and ask us to investigate or what is this or what is whatever. And the center was started in 1996 because of the fact there was such crappy, you know, national choir level, you know, so we started, we thought we would, we would create a a storehouse of reputable information, which we did. Mm -hmm. And, and then uh, people, once I started teaching in particular, people then wanted us to consult and, and go investigate and all that. And then there was a turning point in the mid 2000s, um, the first decade of 21st century, because all the ghost shows started coming on TV. I was going to say it was like a resurgent of like um, ghost, uh, ghost. And so people busters, don't look like for Elliot movie. Nine for answers anymore. I mean, right. Elliot, how many times did we have cases coming <clears> in? There? I mean, there were we we always had at least six or seven cases on the go. You know that were in ver- in various l- different levels of of. Right. Um, of completion and so i mean it, it was always going and then all of a sudden it stopped and yeah then, then i made the connection oh well they're watching and zach bagans and they think he's you know it and he knows you know and and it's like and uh, you know it's like oh my god i gotta mute the mic for a minute <laughs> yeah. I feel a fur ball coming on no sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah so I and, and it's not so now they think it's all green light in basements um so yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> you, you have a lot of people who who don't get out much or, or they don't know where to go to to get educated um, on things like this. You know, I mean, how many times it's on social media or it's on television and they're they're I call them, you know, couch investigators and kudos to them. I'm, I'm glad that they that people can get a glimpse of what it's about and form their own opinions. And you do get those people out there that are like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And they want to know, okay, wait a minute, what is something more tangible? And then you get the people who hang on everything that, you know, that they see. And that doesn't make things much, much easier. No, you know, no, that, that, that's true. And uh, one initiative uh, as part of, uh, you know, PPRI's uh, education, right. um, because we basically have three objectives, uh, investigation, research, and uh and education and mm-hmm. uh, the Center for Parapsychological Studies does a lot of the research and we do a lot of the investigation and, uh, you know, we work together. But uh, what we decided to do is create um, the Parapsychological Education Center, which we just launched uh, this September. It's right. going to be an online uh 
place that you can take parapsychology courses. Um, mm -hmm. All the instructors are going to be, you know, picked because of their background. So for example, this fall, Daryl and I are going to teach introduction to parapsychology, which we used to do at the Nova Scotia Community College mm -hmm. many years ago. Um, and it's a eight week course. And then I'm going to teach uh, an introduction to demonology course. I've taken uh, two academic courses in uh, demonology, one through University of Glasgow. So I have a fascination with uh, demonology, um, mm -hmm. which actually has more like an anthropology and religious kind of connotation to it but we're going to do a four-week introduction course to that mm -hmm. and then later on down the road um, you know we're going to develop some other courses as well like uh, for example an introduction to electronic voice phenomena course taught by our audio engineer mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to have some really cool and unique things that other places aren't doing uh, such as I think it's great work. because no you're right um, people don't do it I mean you no. know some of the universities I think will add parapsychology to their psychology courses, because I used to have a lot of psychology students say, can we tag along like on a tour with you or can, you know, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. You know, just cause we're doing, we have a week or and it wasn't very long. I think they only got a week or two weeks of actual parapsychology towards the end of the course. So they would come along and, and try to get a feel for it. And they were a lot of fun because they would just add so much logic to the stuff, but they had some like really good questions. And I like to think that those students went on thinking, okay, you know, we actually got logical answers to what we were experiencing or not experiencing, or they would do great experiments too. Like, do you mind yeah. if we do experiments while you're doing a tour? I don't care, man. <laughs> Have at her, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of the parapsychologists that are in academia, um, you know, they've gone on and, and done basically their PhD in psychology and yeah. they, they do research in parapsychology kind of from the corner of their desk. Cause some of them like to kind of sneak it in, uh, you know, like they'll say, uh, yeah, we're going to study, uh, con mm -hmm. uh, you know, consciousness uh, and deaths. But then yeah. you find out like once the report comes out that it was actually like a near death experience uh, research right. project kind of thing. So, right. Uh, yeah, I no, love sure. it. I, I think it's great. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to get one that's a little bit closer to home remote viewing. When Elliot's the one that goes, I, <laughs> not Daryl, I gotta worry. I, no, I, 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 find I, remote, I, I find remote viewing interesting. Uh, one course I did, um, they got us to do a remote viewing uh, practical exercise. And right. uh, the one thing that was interesting about it is I was completely off. I was way off. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Um, I saw like, I saw a bridge. I saw like mountains. I saw like a body of water i saw a park bench all this stuff and it was like something completely different it was like a fun house uh from ha halloween like yeah, a halloween fun house right with like all like kinds did of they give halloween you coordinates that you had to decorations. uh yeah you knew like the yeah, yeah. like the coordinates and uh, who was going to be there what time it was going to happen right. at, okay and, uh you had to focus That's cia about... methods they had to focus for about uh, 20, yeah. 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> but what I did find interesting is that there was like six of us in the class that had like kind of like a similar uh, description as what I just gave. Oh. Um, even though it was completely wrong, like someone else saw like a body of water, but it might not have been a lake. It might have been an ocean and there was a, a bench, but it wasn't at a park. It was on a beach. And so it was really kind of interesting that like you have. Well, the fun house thing wasn't even a thing. 
No, no. Some I don't even know if I don't think anyone even got got the fun house uh, thinking back to it. But I just found it interesting that you have like twenty people all focused at the same time across different time zones on like a particular location, right. and then six of those people ended up like kind of picking up different things, even though it was incorrect. So remote viewing, I, I find very fascinating. Obviously, the government finds it very fascinating because there's been uh, there's been some government uh, experiments and stuff done on that. Mm-hmm. um but yeah. uh i mean that's my take on it I, I think it's i think it's like almost like mediumship abilities um certain people probably have the ability to you know maybe get mm-hmm. that information that uh, precognition i guess or right. cognition at the time it's got to be somewhat easy to do i mean people offer courses on it online and some some of the people just swear by that and i'm just like oh so you don't have to go to the cia to do it <laughs> <laughs> because you want to or not <laughs> Daryl your turn yeah. take um, <laughs> feel that vibe coming <laughs> well uh, let's see. I have a problem with psychics and parapsychology uh, for like ghost hunting and this kind of thing because when someone brings a, a psychic along and I'm going to guarantee nobody's going to want to work with me that's psychic now um <laughs> I'd have to I'd have to test them for psychic ability for two years before I'd let them near a ghost hunt. Okay, as a medium, because I don't know who they can. You know, I don't know. And in the case of remote viewing, everybody canceled everything after a while because there just wasn't enough stuff that was good, provable. But all some of the people that were, you know, were the remote viewers. Oh, if you listen to them, it was, you know, blah, blah. It was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And we were so successful and blah, blah, blah. In which case, then you ask, well, why is nobody doing it now? Um, But so the same thing for remote viewers. I mean, you give them a GPS coordinate, but how's their. How's that supposed to work? Um, you know, uh, it, does the brain right. or consciousness or essence go? Have you ever asked a natural book and, and map and, you know, come down and look for that thing before they yeah. get to see what's there? Um, I can't. Yeah, I can't say it's bullshit, but. Whoops, right. Um, because, I mean, I, I mean, the coordinates thing that's like CIA, that's very regimented. Natural no. viewers look very differently. I mean, I know people. You know, um, and, and Elliot knows who I'm speaking to. I don't, I don't like to speak for anybody else, but who's found hundreds of missing children alone, found hundreds through remote viewing, uh, victims of human trafficking, solved murders, um, can see license plates, can see numbers, peck them off like this. I mean, gads, but that's not like CIA trained. If I tried to give coordinates to this person, this person would go, what? <laughs> She'd be like, Elliot, I don't see the fun house. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I, I, but, well, the problem is that a lot of uh, people's um, such, such successes are, they're the ones saying how successful they are. And then well, comes along afterwards. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. You know, they say, oh, it's all documented and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. they say, well, the body's by, uh, you know, the, the, the corpse will be found near a body of water. Well, not, well, yeah, that's because most people do. Or it's buried in a shallow grave. Okay. All you have to do is re- re- watch TV and you'll know mostly you'll be able to give enough. It's a big pizza. world, though. Like, I'm being devil's advocate again. It's a big world. You know, I know people who have found people worldwide. You can take a good educated guess. 
But I I believe that you do have your legitimate cases out there. But I also believe that those legitimate cases are the ones you don't really hear about. Probably. Because they don't really want to be found. Is that would compromise them? Well, certainly would, wouldn't it? Let's say he was. Let's say he's totally 100%, you know, it actually works. Well, then you'd wonder why the governments aren't still aren't doing it. But if, if let's say that um, you that could do it of. and it got out. Right. And then people would want to, governments, certain governments would want to um, yes. whisk you away. <laughs> but because we're assuming that governments aren't doing it. Maybe publicly, there are organizations right? That, that are out there and they're still doing it. I mean, in the U S primarily, I think they still keep up with it to a degree. Um, and it's all documented stuff, but I don't know. I, I think there's just a lot of things out there that we don't understand. Like, you know, like, like telekinesis, you know, like even telepathy. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's, some of this stuff is just, it's believed that we as human beings have always been capable of doing it but either hinder ourselves or you've just been suppressed to the point of, you know, we're just going to put crap in your food and crap in your environment. And we're just going to dumb you up. Here's some technology. Look at <laughs> technology. <laughs> I, I think technology's played a big part in it uh, for sure. Right now we're struggling uh, with our three-year-old yeah. and the amount of time that she wants to be on like her iPad. And she's she's only, three, she's give only, me my iPad. She's I only love three. It. Uh, well, we bought, we bought her uh, because she always wanted our phones to watch shows. <laughs> bought her one of those like cheap refurbished ipads one um from best buy and uh yeah but she uses it all the time to play roblox and like she knows how to play roblox and like all this stuff but like her head is in the friggin ipad all the time yeah it makes you wonder makes you wonder like uh, i see people like i'm retired now but i i do have my phone in my hand all the time but you know people working they're constantly checking their emails and they're on their phone and they're answering calls and they're sending become a lifeline yeah. yeah, and it's almost uh, maybe it's going to be part of Daryl's talk there uh, next weekend. But uh, yeah, it's you almost know, like emails that go out and never arrive. The emails that yeah you send <laughs> and they go to your junk mail and you never get it. But right. um, you know, I, I think technology is uh, taking away from us being able to just observe our environment, and that could be a reason as well that we're not getting as many you know ghost sightings right. as, as we once were. Everyone's face is just glued to technology. Which brings me to the next topic, ethics. Ethics. Mm. What ethics? <laughs> there we have it. Are we talking about amateurs? Ethics, ethics of paranormal investigations. <laughs> Where do you draw the line between exploration and exploitation? I love it. Well-worded. Oh, um, I, I know that uh, we were just asked <laughs> recently. Uh, it was actually a CBC uh, radio interview I think I was doing. And they asked me about uh, if our organization does house uh, cleansings. And I kind of I laughed because uh, I know that there's still websites out there with uh, people that are mediums that, um, you know, basically charge $500 to do a house cleansing. And it doesn't work the first mm-hmm. time. So you got to call them back about two or three or four or more times. And then once you're about, you know, two three $3,000 into it, uh, all of a sudden your house is cleared. Um, mm-hmm. Those types of people still exist. And like I told... Uh, you know, I, I told Sabine when I was speaking to her, I said, that's the whole reason why we got into investigating the paranormal is back in 1882 when the Society for Psychical Research um, was being bombarded with all these claims from spiritualism 
um, saying that they were contacting the dead. Well, these academics like the wanted experiment, to, Phillips experiment, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. The academics wanted to yeah. investigate it and see what was yeah. going on. And they ended up catching quite a, quite a bit of fraud. You know, there's been no, um, no an ectoplasm. Hey, Harry Houdini spent how much of his professional life even trying yep. to debunk yeah. Yeah, Harry Houdini was a big paranormal investigator. He was. Yeah, and he was a uh, he actually uh, was very good as well because he had the uh, sleight of hand down because of his magician That's uh, right. training. So, um, That's right. which came in handy doing paranormal investigations but mm -hmm. uh they caught a lot of frauds like there's been no ectoplasm that's been ever been sent to a laboratory that's been determined to be an unknown substance or spiritual substance uh usually turns out to be like regurgitated cheesecloth and things like that um <laughs> you know so they, they, they caught on to that the table tipping a lot of that was done in the dark you know uh, i think even in the skull experiment um documentary at one point they said that they didn't want the cameras turned on uh when they were trying to get things to materialize and uh, they snuck the I've camera done table on. tipping <laughs> in they the light yeah and that's no. just it in the light and yeah, uh, i've done that daytime you know, there you go our, la our last investigation we tried to make contact with the spirit and uh we did like a seance for less intense purposes but, were you successful did it happen um, yeah our medium was able to to make contact but we did it yeah. with the lights on and that was the first thing i said i said we're doing this with the lights on guys yes. like and you don't sit here in you the haunted dark. you're so, haunted people it's not going to happen any time of day <laughs> no no actually our last case was really interesting from a medium perspective so um we had nothing paranormal happen while we were there except for what came through the medium which can be obviously like i said it's subjective information but um what we did is uh, I had heard that uh, Jody was a very good medium and uh, she's my sister's sister-in-law. So we had this case uh, where items were materializing um, on the homeowners. They didn't see anything move or materialize, but they were just finding random household items appearing almost very symmetrically. Right. And uh, it didn't look like a normal case. So it had my interest because i'm like is this a fraud here and like that's the police the former police officer me you know like mm -hmm. curious like am i going to investigate a fraud is it going to be a paranormal case well, what is this right. um so we brought jody along and uh she made some really interesting disclosures that we were able to corroborate so one mm -hmm. of the first things is uh, the homeowners thought that the house was um being haunted by uh the husband's father and he had died in 1991 of a massive heart attack. And as soon as she arrived on scene, the only detail she had about the case was what time to show up and where to show up at. Um, as soon as she got there, got out of her car, all of a sudden she felt a pain in her heart and her left arm went numb, almost like she was taking a heart attack. And that's what she said. She says, I feel like I'm taking a heart attack. I feel like there's a male ent entity present at this, at this house. So we didn't tell her anything or corroborate anything with her at that point. Uh, mm -hmm. As she's doing her walkthrough, she goes into the garage and she said, there's something in this garage that belongs to the male energy that I'm feeling. And she picked up a, uh, a measuring tape and it turned out that the exact measuring tape she had picked up actually belonged to the homeowner's dad. Then when she was inside the house, uh, she was having trouble standing on her left leg. And uh, she said she described it as if she's like on the sea and she's kind of like getting seasick. Um, but it was trouble with her left leg. It turned out that... Mm -hmm. um, the homeowner's mother, who just passed away in January, had to have her left leg amputated wow. uh, because the circulation had just stopped going there. Um, then 
about a week before we show up, the wife was playing cards with a friend. They both put their cards down on the table, went to go get a drink. When they came back, one of the cards was missing. It was the seven of spades. So one of my investigators, Pierre, gave uh, the medium the deck of cards and said, uh, can you tell us anything about these cards or do you sense anything about these cards? And she said, yeah, I keep seeing the six and the eighth of spades. And it was the seven of spades that had gone missing. So she was picking up the outlying cards. But, right. um, you know, and she never specifically said that, that the missing card was number seven, but she had a, right. a one in 52 chance to pick those, those cards. Right. Right. Um, and then uh, the, the um, only other thing that uh, was really interesting is uh, during the seance part, she was trying to figure out uh, the spirit's name. And uh, I didn't even know what uh, the dad's name was. And uh, she kept hearing a P. And she said, it's got to be Peter because I keep hearing. Pop, pop. And uh, he said, no, no, it's not Peter. And then um, she picked up the tape measure from the garage and she said, ah, she said, it's Paul. And it turned out that, you know, it was Paul. Mm -hmm. And so it was just really interesting that you had like five or six different things from somebody that had absolutely no case knowledge at all that we mm -hmm. were just able to corroborate and the family was able to corroborate. Right. Um, and we did it we corroborated it not in front of her as well. So we tried to keep her as completely distant from it as possible. So mm -hmm. that's what really blew my mind away. So I was so impressed. And so were my other investigators that were there um, that we decided to ask her to become a member of our organization. And uh, we want to have her tested. Um, there's mm -hmm. one or organization down the States called the Forever Family Foundation, which still tests mediums. And mm -hmm. uh, they do uh, a battery of tests. A lot of them fail at the first couple times. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to try and get her tested through the Forever Family Foundation. Um, very nice. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Very good. So, I mean, I, I believe in certain people have the ability for sure. Like, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you do have to be careful. There's a lot of unethical people out there. Daryl calls them mm -hmm. grief vampires, I think. <laughs> Don't hold back, Daryl. Tell it like I mean, it is. <laughs> unfortunately, I didn't coin the phrase, but, um, but yeah, they're, um, the, the yeah the, the the ones where you're paid to go in the auditorium and what you don't know is that uh, while you've been standing in line there've been confederates of the psychic you know and then there's tape recordings of people and it's and also the cold reading and blah and it just keeps on going down the you know down the the list of all the th ways that they can pretend to be you know talking to mm -hmm. whoever. Um, but yeah, so there's nothing I can yeah how. how even even Jody, I mean, I can't make a comment on that because, well, one thing, I wasn't there, but what, two was I don't know her, and mm -hmm. she hasn't been tested, and I haven't tested her or anything, so I can't even say yay or nay or, or things. So this is one of the things that where I have to say, not just I don't know, is that I just can't have any comment because I don't have enough. So you're basing this on mediumship. Like, what about research? Per se, what because about research. Well, yeah, like like paranormal investigators, people who are brought into somebody's house. Like I've always thought, my my point of view in being asked to investigate a location was from a point of privilege, that somebody was entrusting themselves and their family to me and, and my team to to re either represent them, you know, and and look and see what what's going on because it's a pretty serious thing whether there's something there or not something is leading them to believe that there's yeah. something there. So the priority has to be the family. It's, it's not about, like, let's just say I don't go in with the attitude. I don't investigate anymore, but I never went in with the attitude as, well, you're lucky we're here. 
it was always thank you for allowing us to do this for you, you know, and let us take the weight for a little while. Just yeah, just, there, there's right? definitely I think you see it more with like the amateur uh, organizations or the ones like you said that might have uh, got their education off of uh, the television. Yes, um, for sure. Uh, that is one complaint that we hear is that the uh, investigators come in with all their fancy equipment, tramp around the home, and then leave. And sometimes they, they make things make, worse. Sometimes the they can make things worse. Uh, sometimes the family has to hire somebody or contact somebody else, um, yeah. you know, to investigate because that uh, the other group didn't do anything. They just came in and, and left. Mm -hmm. um, so there's certainly some unethical things. And that's the problem with the paranormal is it's not policed by, you know, any sort of association or accreditation or anything like that. But do you think it's because it's looked at as a more of an entertainment thing because of television? Like, I, I don't know that people. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I know some people that do it just for fun. Like, they're not really out yeah. there trying to uh, collect an EVP to send off to a university to have analyzed. Yeah. Uh, they're just, you know, they, they enjoy going to certain spots and uh, and just, you yeah. know, play, playing around basically. But uh, there is a movement within academia right now to, to do what's called the uh, citizen scientist kind of program mm -hmm. uh, where they're trying to get the amateur groups to start following uh, some Guidelines. protocols and things like yeah. that, just in the event that they do happen to capture something because um, academia recognizes that there's so many different people out there. There's probably hundreds of ghost hunters. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't like the term, but hundreds of ghost mm -hmm. hunters out there that are collecting audio, video, going to locations, uh, having experiences, but, they're not documenting them properly. So they're basically worthless, you know, in the world right. of academia. So there's, there's a push to kind of get some, some training and some, some best practices going. I think also, I don't know how many people would like, do they care about academia because it's not governed? Um, if you're not doing anything, I, I don't think tough, the I majority, guess? I don't think the majority of like the, amateur organizations do. Yeah, I would yeah. be very I would be very you know surprised if they had a subscription to any journals or right. anything like that or take the time to read some of the papers and some of the papers are very boring um That's, you know so are the investigation <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding I always you know? said if you're having a fun time you're doing it the wrong way exactly. <laughs> That's true exactly yeah. exactly yeah. all you want to do is just like curl up on the couch somewhere you know or, or put back the coffee like I, I think people need to realize when you're seeing something on television you're seeing an hour or half an hour out of an, a night or a weekend or that's just how little you end up getting if anything yeah you guys you guys have uh, both been on many uh, television series so uh, you know you would know I, I mean even, even me I filmed uh, last year two two different days for uh, the Hulu show, uh, History Channel show, Repossessed. And uh, it might have turned out to be maybe, you know, five minutes of uh, airtime. I know. So, um, yeah, yeah. I know. You don't get a whole lot, <laughs> you know. No, no it's definitely but... cut down. And, and I mean, Daryl and I have, like, inside knowledge as well that, uh, you know, the networks are looking for. Uh, we were told the scare factor every three minutes and – um you I've, know they uh, don't want they don't want mm, scientific people on there telling people they, that they don't i've and... i've turned down a lot i finally got to the point that i i, I did it i filmed a documentary last year and i basically just said no 
I consult on a lot. I help to do creative stuff with, with different production companies, but I just completely I retired from television shows on the matter because I can't. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I think you just get to the point where it's just like, you do things, you start off with good intentions. And like I said, you end up with that, you know, like the stereotypical stuff. And I'm just like, I just don't want to, I don't want to continue it because everybody's like, when are we going to see you do something? And it's just like, I think you switch gears after a while. And it's not that I didn't enjoy doing it. You know, I, I did. It was part of my journey that I had to do. And I think though, we do get to a point where we evolve from that and you start seeing things and, and, realizing similarities like for me the field of the paranormal is very connected to ufology i mean half the cases i work with half no kidding and i've done hundreds of cases throughout 20 years there have been extraterrestrial sightings during an alleged you know infestation or attachments and so now now i have to re-question and re-examine everything going okay so were they using portals were they really experiencing where they contactees experiencers like you know it 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 makes you question everything so then it's like well what do i have to re-examine everything that every one of those that i've done now so now it's just like you know i know from what people tell me usually what what the issue is just you know after a few years a few decades you, you figure it out you know because they're all different, but they're not really. There's a lot of, they're all pretty similar if you ask the right questions, mm. right? So mm. I think you guys and the way you do things, it's it's a matter of it's the, the technicalities behind it and you're looking at everything through, I guess, I like to say logical eyes and that continues to grow because science continues to grow and hopefully academia continues to grow with it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think things will only get better. I mean, we're seeing some great progress, like we said earlier, uh, with near-death experiences. So, you know, um, I think uh, I think the secrets of consciousness could be unlocked soon. It'd be nice if it was. Yeah, And that's true. I mean, I we don't know what consciousness is and where it's right. at and right. all that, which is, which is fascinating, uh, you know, and... Yeah, and that's what brings a lot of people into the field eventually because they are doing consciousness studies. And then, of course, part of that is the um, um, uh, after-death experiences, yes. but also deathbed visions. And that's usually the middle step because they have, you have to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about consciousness, you have to talk about deathbed visions. And why well, out-of-body experiences. Yeah, and then out-of-body, and then you're into new <laughs> death experiences. And so, yeah, so it brings a lot of people into the field. When mm. they started out, they were just going to be a neurobiologist and, you know, they wanted to know about uh, whatever. And they took, uh, had to take consciousness studies, obviously. And so then they, they realize there's a lot more questions than what we, you know, and then answers, um, mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. in the in the physiological realm, but also in the um, psychological and parapsychological realm. So mm -hmm. it's it's yeah. So, you know, it's it's I find it seems to be um, as the silly stuff on TV, the crap, you know, has gotten bigger, but it's kind of dragged institutions along a little bit if only because they want to put on what's real real or what's possible real mm. to counter 
the BS that's on TV. Mm-hmm. And so I'm finding that uh, a lot of universities now are, are starting to put on at least at least a course or more, including more sections on on parapsychology than have ever before mm-hmm. because of this, not the interest, but also because they're keeping an eye on, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, the crap part of it. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's the, the ethics is just completely, um, of TV is the, well, there is no ethics on TV. I mean, what we're we talking about here, mm-hmm. um, but it's, uh, it's like, uh, yeah, asking for a uh, tropical, looking for tropical trees in, in the Arctic. It's <laughs> you're just not going to find it. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it is TV is uh, the paranormal's boring. I mean, ESP yeah, psychokinesis yeah. is rare and it's weak. And that's about as strong as parapsychologists can say at the moment. Um, you know, Peter Underwood, um, British um, investigator of the unknown and ghosts in particular, president of the Ghost Club. Um, uh, this was when he was only in 40 years. So I think he was in, before he died, he was in about 50 some odd years into looking for ghosts. Mm-hmm. He said at this point, he said, oh, this has been 42 years I've been looking for a ghost and I haven't seen one yet. Wow. So it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah, we've got to be in for the long haul. And when it happens, like it did for me, um, you're going to be all really surprised, surprised or just frozen for a minute mm-hmm. because you're not really expecting to see it. And then all of a sudden that that, you know, that uh, thing that you've been wanting all, you know, all your life or whatever is suddenly there and you're just struck dumb um, because you just can't quite process what you did see. Mm-hmm. And, by the time you do process and it and mm-hmm. everything moment is gone so um but yeah do you think parapsychology has has um all the answers i mean some people who are wide open psychically you know they don't they don't practice publicly they don't do readings they don't do anything um and you know they have like phenomenal experiences and yet you have people who just absolutely want nothing to do with it and they get the experiences whether they like it or not mm. but i mean there's there's just so many different cultures that speak of things like let's touch on reincarnation quickly. Um, where does that fit in with parapsychology? I mean, culturally speaking and, and you know, like Buddhism, it's all about reincarnation. Yeah, I think it has a, a religious uh, perspective to it uh, for, for some religions. Um, I know Daryl's a little bit more skeptical of uh, reincarnation and uh some of it, some of it is valid. Like uh, Daryl talks about, um, you know, how parents can talk about certain things, maybe around kids or kids mm-hmm. are within earshot. We never really know when they're listening to us. They can pick mm-hmm. up on stuff. Sometimes yes. I think Meadow's face is buried in an iPad and no, she mm-hmm. heard what mommy and daddy are talking about. So, um, you know, I, I do think that there's some blurred lines there. I do think that there were some really great cases of mm-hmm. uh, reincarnation as well. I know the uh, University of Virginia's perceptual studies unit there has been doing quite a bit of work with uh, reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that it's a, a choice. I, I hope that. Uh, <laughs> you just don't want to get your butt just smacked right back on planet well, Earth. <laughs> I just don't know if I can keep up with the cost of living if <laughs> I keep living on. So true. Uh, things, things are never going to get cheaper. They're Please only put get me back in upper class. class. Yeah. yeah so, uh, I do not well, want to. Well, Elliot. That. 
Elliot, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what you are. It's what you how it's how you identify yourself. So just start identifying yourself as a very rich person, right? And you know, <laughs> they, they identify themselves as oh, very, manifestation. You know, we're talking about yeah. manifesting your reality, Elliot. <laughs> so yeah, you know, um, essentially reincarnation is that. I mean. Uh, you know, it's identifying yourself as, as something, whether or not it's true or not. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and and like I said, you can see it, of course, in the gender studies, but um, too. But it's, I mean, if you if you could self-identify yourself as anything, well, then I'd be uh, young, handsome, and dating Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> but we know that that's not going to, that hasn't happened, won't happen. Um, I adore you, Daryl. Just saying <laughs> That's about the, about the same chance of some of reincarnation being true. But I re seriously thought I'm just making a joke about this. Right. But, um, <laughs> on a serious note, not about dating Timothy Chalamet, um, but on a serious note, I don't know what to say about reincarnation. Um, the, the jury's out for me. And and mm -hmm. like Elliot said, um, you know, the, uh, there are some good studies being done. Um, there's also been a lot of... Um, bad stories that have been, you know, um, and stories that have been re rebutted. So it's just mm -hmm. sort and I just sort of don't have the time. Uh, and, and it's funny because I, I like near-death experiences, but I don't really have time to yet to, uh, uh, to think about that. What's after death and can we come back and do we get a choice? And, and I'm like Elliot, um, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't come back. Um, no, uh, seriously, I don't think I would. It would, it would all, nah, can't see it. Right. I want to move on, learn something new, not be come back and start all over again, right. you know? And uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm looking for answers. I don't want to have to, you know, do this 27, like, which, which is, um, I hope uh, he has a choice. Yeah. That's which is the religion that says you have to do it so many times before you get to the answers. Um, is it Buddhism right. or is it Taoism or one of them anyway? Yeah. And it's like, no, I'll just wait and God can tell me the answer, you know, or whoever or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I need, I'll find yeah. you know the answer then. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reincarnation, um, Daryl has a good point too. There was a time where they were all coming out um, through hypnosis and hypnosis is, uh, had a had a bit of a problem in psychology in general. I know, I think it was during the 80s, uh, uh, they were using hypnosis uh, on uh, psychotherapy uh, patients, and a lot of them were saying that they were sexually assaulted, and there was a ton of false sexual assault allegations that had come out, and the APA actually had to send out, the American uh, Psychological Association actually had to send out to anyone that was registered under them to stop using hypnosis uh, for that purpose until... They could uh, kind of figure out the situation. So, um, but recently, though, I find the the recent work with uh, reincarnation stuff has has been pretty good, especially by uh, Dr. Jim Tucker. He's uh, he's the one that's associated with University of Virginia. Um, mm -hmm. And the other, the one interesting thing I found, I find that they found about uh, reincarnation is that uh, it seems to be after the age of seven that children start to lose those memories of uh, their previously reincarnated life. So. You have to you have to do your investigation when they're still fairly young and not mm. obviously mentally developed. So um, right, do you it's, think it's some of it like can it, be like passed down ancestral DNA imprinting that sort of thing? That because I, let's, I, let's face it, you know, like if if we we have somebody who like let's say my grandfather would have died in you know in the war and he's 
you know, well, they won't say died in the war, but let, let's just say we have a family who's wounded, okay, or had a very traumatic experience, and it goes on to have children. That eventually, that memory, you know, imprints on them and imprints on like moving down the line, right? Do, do you acknowledge that theory at all? Uh, I do. I understand what you're saying and you've got me thinking actually, because I think that it would be really interesting because there has been cases where, yeah. um, you know, uh, for example, uh, there was a, a child that uh, thought he was a pilot and uh, he had died in a crash and the child started having these nightmares about a plane crash and they were able to put it together that he was uh, this pilot named Jack Larson. And sometimes they can go out and visit um, relatives of, uh, you know, the person that is being reincarnated. But I don't know of any studies where they've taken the child's DNA and kind of compared it to mm. the reincarnated person because that would be very interesting to see if um, there's any sort of, you know, even if even if it showed up that they were somehow like distant cousins or third cousins or something yeah, like that knows? in the genetic makeup. Yeah, um, who knows? But other than like, I haven't really heard of a ton of studies where, you've had like your mother thought she was reincarnated and her mother thought she was reincarnated, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like that. But there have been studies where mediumship abilities have been proven to be passed down genetically. Yes. Um, so yeah. there's definitely stuff that gets passed down, but uh, with mm -hmm. reincarnation, I don't think so from everything that I've read, it's uh, mm -hmm. seemed to be completely different families. But in today's world now, I would be apt to ask everyone for a blood sample and just, do the test and just check it out. But that's, that's also the police officer in me as well. Because that's right. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very, I'm very <laughs> thorough. I'd be, I, I'd be stealing everyone's DNA and testing it. Right. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Um, real quick cryptozoology. Cause we're heading Ooh, to the top terrible. of the hour, but I'd like to squeeze that one in. What are your thoughts? That's one of Daryl's favorite. thoughts into that? Yeah, yeah, it is Daryl's favorite. That's what got Daryl into this whole thing. Right. Um, I believe, okay, very quickly and concisely, which is really not me, um, <laughs> I do believe in the possibility of Bigfoot in very small numbers in a very localized area. He can't be every, he's not everywhere there's a tree or a little bit of a hill. It's got to be like the Pacific Northwest, completely uh, isolated and everything. Right. He's not in a desert and he's not in a swamp. Right. And, well, I can't go into the rest of it because I've done studies into over 7,000 Bigfoot reports. And if I give it away now, then the, my book will be useless. So like, but I can only just say that they're going about it the wrong way mm -hmm. and they'll never find Bigfoot the way that they're doing it. Um, but anyway, um, as for the other things, you know, the, I have a friend who's really big into Thunderbird. Uh, he just loves yeah. the idea that the Thunderbird, they have that picture. I mean, there's about two different pictures, maybe even three right. historical pictures of people standing next to, you know, this huge bird. Um, but did you notice that one of those pictures was a freaking pterodactyl? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, now <laughs> next know. year, um, I'll be doing um, haunted tours of castles in, in uh, England, Scotland and, and Ireland. Yeah. And for the Scotland one in the fall, um, obviously it's 
we're going to be going to Castle Urquhart, uh, if only because it's on <laughs> Loch Ness. Yeah. And then I'm going to stop on the way back home. I'm going to stop in Iceland because they have a, a sea monster as well, as well as a sea monster uh, museum. Mm-hmm. And no, Ellie, it's not because they also have a penis museum either. And then when I get back to here, um, I'll do a few around here and then I'll, I'll, I'll probably uh, do a paper on it or something like that. But, um, right, but right. yeah, I want to go to Loch Ness. But sea monsters, lake monsters. Um, do, you I think they, do you think they could be coming through portals? Because they've shown Loch Ness. I've been to Scotland, you know, I, I've been there. And they say it does not, it cannot sustain a creature that big. It can't. Not, not, not as described or believed. It can't be a, t- uh, a pterosaur or a pterosaur, yeah. or that'd be something. It uh, can't that? be a plesiosaur because, you know, <laughs> right. you're air breathing, yes. uh, cold blooded things. So what else is it, you know? And right. there's some there's some good theories about what it might be. Um, they'd be very boring if it was proved, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But it's still fascinating, zoologically speaking, you right. know, like whether it's, it, um, uh, you know, mutated eels or or whatever, um that's a so, pretty but, big but, eel yeah yeah well that's the that's the thing that's most of those ones really big those are actually waves and yeah. sometimes the conversion of two waves and so uh or wakes of boats and so it's um cryptozoology i keep my uh, my ear and eye on it because i think there's more there It'll be easier to prove something because we have or cryptozoologists have mm-hmm. uh over the years proved things um right. whereas it, it and us we're still trying to figure out whether a ghost is you know what's nature is before yeah. we, before we even get to finding one you know we're, such, we're... A good, such a good point daryl because i like the mountain gorilla in africa for example wasn't discovered until 1902 um yeah. but people were reporting these mountain gorillas but uh, there wasn't any there was only low uh low land gorillas at the time mm. and uh you know it that was just over almost 150 years ago that we discovered that. So, and there's been other things too. We're discovering these new squids and giant squids and all this stuff too. So or the uh, little, the little human, the uh, homo florensianus. Oh, I said yeah, that they're just the, Yeah. Little dudes. Yeah. yeah the three foot yeah. human, you know, there is another like, like, like modern, I won't say modern day Hobbit, but that, Seeing what that was, how yeah, they were tagging, I mean, like, we're finally like alive. We're the yeah. awesome thing. Here's the goosebumps. Uh, the we're finally alive with another species of man, right? Or human, and there may be others out there, but we know we always thought we were the you know, we are the winners, the gold medal winners, and Neanderthals. Mm-hmm. Well, you were silver, mm-hmm. see you later, too bad, and and all this stuff, but we're learning that we're not uh you know we're not alone mm-hmm. and the dentist um if you go into uh, china and, and russia of course they have their own cryptozoological hominids and they are closer to a human than bigfoot is because bigfoot very much is other than bipedalism it is very much an ape right. and um, so mm-hmm. yeah who knows what we're going to find? And of course, the fossil record is is still very. They well, say the Bigfoot thing's got a lot of quantum stuff that go along with it too. You know, like there's this research is going off into a little bit of a different direction with it, at least with that part of crypto. See, that's where, and I don't know if Daryl Daryl might be on the same page with me. That's where, like, I 
start to kind of like become skeptical with like the quantum, the quantum stuff. Like stuff? I can, I can okay. totally, I, I can, well, like just with that, like say Bigfoot, for example, because, mm-hmm. you know, it used to just be Bigfoot sightings. Then it was like Bigfoot sightings and a UFO was in the neighborhood. Did the UFO drop the Bigfoot off and right. all this stuff? And then there's right. talk about them, like, are they able to enter portals? And that's why we can't find them in the woods and things like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, you look like, you look at the case of the mountain gorilla, like people were reporting that, uh, never proven until 1902 uh, mm-hmm. I believe it was a military officer german officer had had found it um yeah. you know and then like i said the giant squid and we're just kind of learning all these these new creatures that that yeah. exist people who use quantum but they've hidden from us parapsychology for anybody uses the words quantum when they're talking about parapsychological theories or cryptozoological so cryptozoological theories doesn't know what quantum is Mm-hmm. Because it has not, it, quantum is the stuff we can't see. It's so it, it, it's invisible to us. It's mm-hmm. on the micro level, on the level we are, and we exist day to day. That's Newtonian physics, and that's the macro level. Well, so I, there's that dynamic where mm-hmm. you have to be, you know, quantum is is kind of like our unconscious, and you know. Um, so what would you call it then? Because there have been experiencers, you know, who have seen these beings and they follow them, you know, they, 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 they'll just chase right after them and they come into footsteps that stop nothing. They look up, they look around. There's like nothing. Crickets gone. Nothing. <laughs> footsteps. Well, and here, well, rare. those are rare. I mean, extremely rare. And so therefore that, you know, you go by, uh, again, logic and rationality. As yeah. far as you can, you go as far as you can logically and rationally. Yeah. And at the moment, I mean, if they disappear in a UFO, that's obviously using one unknown to prove another. Um, but for for if they could disappear like that, quantum, into some kind of quantum singularity or whatever, that would probably destroy half the Earth if, it did, if they did. Um, we would be able to do it you know, it would happen to us and it would happen a lot and it wouldn't just be out in the woods, you know, people getting lost in the woods. So, um, yeah, I can't, I personally can't see how you could control yourself quantumly. It's too, right, right. Yeah, you know, too small. It's an interesting note. Don't get me wrong. Oh, and I, one thing I want to say before we end up, and this is, you guys are going to love this. I, a lot of people, uh, law scientists, you know, complain about us parapsychologists or cryptozoologists because we're not scientific enough and, you know, we're irrational and we believe these crazy things and all that. I don't want, okay, that's fine. And some of it's fair. Uh, But I don't want to hear word from an astrophysicist or some cosmologist or anything I have to do with astronomy. I would even say that we're not scientific because most of that is, is, either a mathematical equation or guessing the big bang theory gone. Okay. Poof. It's Mm -hmm. that's it. They just, it it went, it was never proven obviously, but so much of it is, is, you know, Schrodinger cat, Schrodinger's cat. That's not even what it is. That's not what it is. It's, you know, as it's reported. Um, I mean, all these things are thought experiments. A lot of it's just sitting around thinking up like uh, Freud. And we all know how much, how, um, you know, how good he was, um, mm-hmm. by the way. 
And uh, yeah. so anyway, uh, we in psychology have not lived Freud down yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't want to all listen to criticism from anybody, mm-hmm. but the field of the stars, because a lot of their stuff is guessing, right. you know, and some of it's logical, some of it's rational, and some of it's going to be wrong just because it is. But yeah. also a lot of it is, you know, it's just guessing and, you know, and mathematical formula. So I'll take, uh, you know, I'll take my blows for believing in Bigfoot um, and, and ghosts, although I don't know what they are. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take my lumps for that. It's but, a learning experience. It's a journey. That- I mean, some people... Yeah, some people have experiences full on and they just don't acknowledge them. And it's like it, it doesn't exist. Other people beg for an experience and never have it. So I think at this point, all you can do is you keep an open mind. But it's as, as like I was saying before the show started, you keep an open mind. If I see something that looks potentially real, like where I could say, OK, this is a real thing for me, all it does is it means that it opens the door for further research. Yep. Don't shelve it. Don't chuck it under the carpet. This is something worthy of further research. Yep. You yep. know, it just, it just, it just keep going. And unfortunately there's not enough good research being done because, yeah. because of the fact that both cryptozoology and parapsychology, there's no governing body. There right. is amateurs and they're uh, mostly now it's TV amateurs or legend trippers with what they're called, where you right. travel somewhere just to experience, say, Transylvania, Dracula's castle. And, yeah, and, that, and unfortunately, what it has, it, it's um, it's given a bad name to the field. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, academia is starting to, you know, kind of push back a bit by you know, uh, offering more courses, but unfortunately we were under a deluge of, you know, of mm-hmm. just misinformation and disinformation. Right. So, but right. you're right. Anything has to be looked at because right now all our theories are probably wrong, mm-hmm. you know, about ghosts and, and, uh, and that, cause we don't know. There's not enough. It's, there. it's all theory. Yeah. Technically speaking. And, and, yeah. meaning, and, it's and, fun. and until a ghost materializes, slaps you in the face and says, take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Which the chances of that happening are, are yeah. you know, are pretty slim. No. You know. Probably less than my Tim- dating Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> and uh, I find <laughs> I, I find get a snort out of you yet tonight. <laughs> I find I find parapsychological work is like trying to drill straight through the earth. Like you can only go down so far and then you just kind of hit literally rock bottom. It's the same with parapsychology. Like no matter what topic you're investigating, whether it's ESP or psychokinesis or survival, um, you can only go so far and then you're just left with more questions than you are answers at this point, unfortunately. And right. that is still one of the reasons why you know, a lot of uh, the hard science scientists, uh, so your physics and your biology and all that, they don't want to get involved with uh, parapsychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because well, it's, it's an existence that we can't touch and knock or eat or or feel or anything. Can't replicate, wrong. yeah, can't produce it on demand. It's all, you know, spontaneous uh, human experiences that we're investigating. And that's why mm-hmm. parapsychology is considered a social science, because right. we're investigating people's experiences. Right, yeah. Well, I wanted to make a, a quick comment going back, you know, to ghosts and, and going back in time. And when you're doing voice recordings, how you should put yourself back in that time and place and maybe try to figure out what did that person see? What did that person experience? Uh, a friend of mine was at a fort uh, in Ontario and they were on a tour of this fort, 1812. And 
they had something was kept touching the camera. And so they had a long lens on it, film camera, right? And they were trying to take a photo and something kept slapping the camera out of the way. But then they came to the realization because they kept saying, well, I want to, you know, can I shoot you? Can I just take a, an image? But it said Canon on the camera. So did they, you know, they kept slapping, like the camera kept getting jolted like this. And you're aiming at somebody saying, well, no, I'm going to shoot and take, a, you know, mm. take a picture. They're thinking, were they possibly thinking, Canon, don't point that thing at me. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's, it's just, that's just one example of, of other examples. You know, whenever I would try to teach, okay, if you, you know, if you want to do voice recordings, then put yourself, ask logical, you know, ask questions. Don't if, if somebody doesn't realize they're dead, for example, saying, is anybody here? <laughs> it's like, well, yes, I'm here. <laughs> Don't you see me? What's wrong with you? You know, like it was just, we just, I think, have to start being more creative in our research and maybe you, you will get, you know, better results. So here's the time, guys. Plug away. <laughs> Plug yes, a uh, big event coming up here, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. It's uh, Thanksgiving weekend for us here, up here in uh, Canada. It's the 2023 Halifax Paranormal Symposium. Uh, it's going to be held at the Halifax Tower Hotel and Conference Centre, which is in Bears Lake. It's a fairly new hotel. Daryl and I were one of the first people to book the uh, Lakeland Hall, which is where it's going to be held, held at. Um, Saturday, October 7th from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., uh, there are still tickets available, ppri.net slash tickets. We've had uh, tickets being sold every day this week so far, So, uh, which is kind of the heads up we got is usually the last week before the symposium. The tickets will really start taking off. Um, got five guest speakers. Uh, we're going to touch on demonology. Uh, we're going to touch on ghosts and hauntings. We're going to touch on UFOs. And uh, we're going to talk on a little bit of psychic uh, mediumship there with Kim Moser. Uh, she's going to her presentation is called a, a spirit, uh, paranormal awakening. Um, Lauren Coleman is a cryptozoologist. So he's going to focus on creatures that have been reported and cited in Nova Scotia, uh, such as a Wendigo, apparently. No, um, a Wendigo, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daryl's going to talk about uh, our ghosts extinct, uh, which we touched on a little bit tonight. Um, Richard Gallagher is going to talk about his work with the Catholic Church and uh, his belief in dynamic possession when he can't uh, find a DSM-5 diagnosis. And Chris Stiles is going to be talking about his new book, uh, Clear Sweep 5, um, which is about uh, two underwater uh, USOs, I guess, unidentified mm -hmm. submerged objects, where the divers apparently told Chris that they saw and filmed extraterrestrials uh, repairing it and uh, gave the footage to the Canadian government, which... Is completely mm -hmm. missing, um, so I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a great uh, a great uh, weekend actually. But it's a, it's a one day only. Um, mm -hmm. I know I'm really excited. Uh, Daryl and I wanted to do this for many years, and uh, we finally sat down after COVID and, and made it happen. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find out all all the information about the conferences as as well is at ppri.net. Right. Um, and, and somebody was mentioning Shag Harbor. A couple of people mentioned Shag Harbor early on in the stream. Uh, Chris Stiles, who's been on the show a couple of times to talk about it. He's been on a few times, but specifically about Shag Harbor. Um, if you guys head out to this 
symposium, maybe you can just corner him and ask him about Shaq Harper. Yeah, he's, he's a great resource. Great resource. He's a great talker. He, he knows is. every little detail, doesn't he, uh, Elliot? Yes, he does. His memory is very sharp. And he's a, a bulldog. Like, he digs and digs. And that's how he ended up getting some of these government documents to prove that there was a USO incident off Shelburne. Because right. where this kind of stemmed from, just quickly, I know we're running out of time. Uh, there was always a second story to Shag Harbor. So, you know, October 4th, 1967, object crashes in the water, RCMP mm -hmm. responds, Canadian Navy responds, Coast Guard, U.S. Coast Guard. Um, all these agencies come up. They saw... Uh, kind of like a yellow pale foam on top of the water. That's it. Object uh, can't yeah. find anything, can't find any debris, can't find any survivors. Then the second story is that the UFO kind of moved up the coast, went to Shelburne. A second UFO came down, helped it repair itself, and then it flew off. And so Chris Stiles was always chasing this dead end lead. And it wasn't until he talked to a Navy diver and he was able to uh, get uh, piece some puzzles. Uh, put some mm -hmm. pieces of the puzzle it's together. A fantastic story. Found out, uh, you know, like uh, the name of some ships, did some government uh, document pulling and uh, was able to come up with the, with this great, great story. And I'm looking forward to his presentation. So. It's a great story. Uh, I, it never gets old when he talks about, it and he always adds stuff like, why am I only hearing this now? Why didn't you talk about this before? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can't wait to get so his much. book. Uh, yeah, I, I, he told me not to buy it, so I'm going to get him to sign a copy for me. Uh, at this yes, symposium. yeah, yeah, hold him to that. <laughs> well, yeah, guys, so it's always a pleasure. You guys are always a hoot. It's, I just I love having you on, and I'd love to do it again. I'd love to do it again, maybe at the beginning of the year. Maybe you could talk about how it went, and let's let's pull off some more. Let's pull off some more things to just totally. Oh, it sounds it. great. We've been trying to do an episode of the dueling parapsychologists, and we've just been so busy with the symposium coming up. So it do kind of feels like it kind of I, feels like I know like, somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> we might sell. Um, a, around Christmas time is in England and Europe have a lot of good, uh, creepy ghost stories and, and this, cause that's their, their culture tell ghost stories, whereas right. we do it at Halloween. So right. just suggesting, not necessarily us, I, I, <clears> I, I, but yeah, I I, just that. a suggestion you should have somebody talking about the coast of Christmas, talking about, uh, do you know somebody I've, I've done segments on it, but I would love to do, do you do that? Do I do that? Yes, that's. I love ghost stories around. Christmas. Really, I yeah. do too. I love the whole Victorian part of it with the, like, yeah. the crazy cards and. Yes. Okay. It, it's wild. It's, okay, I'm, I'm going to yeah. message you, but you have to answer this time. And and and, and I've <laughs> I've got I've got Christmas dates. If you want to do it, I have like two or three dates left in December, and I would love to do it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it, it, it is really fun. Is it's great. Fun. Back then, that was a thing to do. You didn't give yep. gifts. You gave a story. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and a cool, crazy card. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm down. I'll message you. I'll give you some dates. Okay. Yeah, um, you've got my email also 902-414-9535 if you want text. Um, and you've got my email. I'll remember that. Yeah. Well, you replay it. <laughs> yeah. This, right? Fast forward to the end. And so. if not, then Daryl DB, uh, BD Walsh at um, gmail.com. So. Okay. I'm going to email yep. you. And as I far promise, as I know, I Elliot got my email, so I know you're going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're I back in action. I'll, I'll remember this time to, to answer you. Right. <laughs> I'll just keep resending. Click resend. Yeah, resend. Just keep doing that. I can do that. Resend, resend, yeah. resend. <laughs> you've got lots of space now. 
And I do <laughs> have lots of space, man. You guys better watch it. It's coming for you. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. And I will be in touch. Thanks All for right. having us. Sounds good. Thank Take you. Care. All right, yeah. guys. Bye-bye. Good night. <laughs> Well, we've come to the end of another fantastic segment, guys. And wow, it was interesting to say the least, even though some people are being naughty in the chat room. Not nice. Not nice to the guests means you're not being nice to me. So let's kind of watch that moving forward, please. Anyway, thank you, Folgers Coffee, for sponsoring tonight's show. Tonight, every night, we appreciate you so very much. Thank you, Justin Snicker, for providing us with your views, your music, your voice. And uh, that intro is something else. And we thank you for that. Thank you, Steve McGinnis, for your artwork. We appreciate you so very much. Next week, okay, we've got two new faces. So we're going to be welcoming, and I have to say it's a recording. I will be in chat because this guest came all the way from Poland. So really, really nine-hour difference is really very difficult. So his name is Alexander, and I hope I don't just butcher this, which is Cheskiewicz. And this young man, and he is a young man, at 17 years old, wrote a book called Deja Vu, Has Everything Already Been? And boy, oh boy, he translated it at 19, and it talks about a lot of ancient history, and just, you have to listen to it. I've, I've read this book and I have never, I've never interviewed anybody quite like this young man, just a wonderful, wonderful interview. So check him out Thursday night, uh, live show with Mark Dawitziak. And he's going to be discussing his book, a mystery of mysteries, the death and life of Edgar Allan Poe. We're getting into spooky month people. And, um, I think this is where it's going to start. So thank you. I appreciate you all for being here. And we will see you next week. Have a great weekend. Good night.